It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is hour number two of The Look Ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is myself, Greg Hughes-Searson, filling in for Scott Seidenberg tonight, and I am very happy to be with you guys. We wound up hitting on quite a bit of football in hour number one, wound up recapping the national title game, but as we know, No more money to be made in the 2021 college football season with the national title game. So we've got to be taking a look at sports that we are able to make some money on. And a big sport that we're going to be able to make some money on when it comes to everything for Tuesday is college football. So we're going to be hitting, or college basketball, I should say. My goodness, I'm still in football mode. College basketball for this Tuesday. We're going to be running through a lot of these games, and we've got some good ones. So if you want them striking out with Alabama on Monday, well, there's a chance that you could hit with them on Tuesday, or you could wind up striking out with them again. I mean, it's one of those things in which, well, we, we could wind up going double or nothing either way. So there is that aspect of it. And we're going to be joined by David Baker. He's a two-time World Series of Poker bracelet winner. I'm someone that I actually love the World Series of Poker. So that is going to be a fun chat. He's going to be coming up in about 30 minutes. We're going to be taking a little bit more of a look at these NFL wildcard games as well. So we've got a rambunctious Next two hours here on the look at and how about if we go with my New York post play today in college basketball to be able to lead things off and we're going to be going to the big 12 with this one as you've got Iowa State hitting the road and they're going to be going to the fog to face off against Kansas. If you're looking for the rotation number on this, this would be game number 651 652. This wound up opening up Iowa State being a 12 point underdog. We've seen a little bit of a move here. Right now at DraftKings, I'm seeing an 11 and a half. You're seeing a couple books out here in Las Vegas that have went to 11. And your total on this game, you're finding it anywhere between a 141 and a half and a 142. And when it comes to this game, I do think that you've got some good value here with Iowa State. What I wound up giving up for the New York Post is Iowa State spread. So you're probably going to be finding most likely like an 11 and a half, somewhere in between the opener of 12 and what we're seeing right now between 11 and 11 and a half. But I wound up making my number on this game seven. Personally, Iowa State had a little bit of a meltdown on Saturday. They wound up having a good performance against Oklahoma. The first 34 or so minutes, they were tied with about six minutes remaining. And then things wound up going down the toilet from there. But I do take a look at this Iowa State team, and I do think that they match up quite favorably with Kansas. Kansas has been a little bit more of an offense-oriented team. Kansas ranks in the top 20 in all of college basketball with regards to points allowed or points scored on a per-possession basis. Meanwhile, Iowa State 
They are number five in the country with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis, so they have been able to do a tremendous job on defense. And the way that Iowa State has been able to get the job done, both offensively and defensively, by creating turnovers. They rank in the top 10 in all of college basketball with regards to turnover rate on a per-possession basis. And then you take a look at this Kansas team, and they wound up getting off to a really odd start when it came to their offensive general, but they've been cooling down a little bit. You take a look at this Kansas team, they've been scoring 11.7 points per few, or 11.7 points per 100 possessions fewer over the last three games than they did at the start of the season. So that has been a big issue for this team. And then for Iowa State, this has been a team that has been relatively battle-tested. They have won pretty much all three of the games, aside from that Oklahoma game that they played outside of the state of Iowa. So this has been a team that when they've gone on the road, when they played in neutral court games, they've been able to do a solid job. Now the fog is always a just level of its own when it comes to home court. And when it comes to home court advantage, I don't wind up giving just a flat three points based on just a home team versus a road team. I know that there's a lot of people that like to keep it status quo. I'm someone that I will lend more than three points when you wind up going to like Cameron Indoor, in this case, Fog Allen Fieldhouse, Kennel over there at Gonzaga. There are certain home courts that I think should be worth a little bit more than three. And then there are certain home courts like if you wind up going to, say, Kennesaw State, for instance. I'm sorry, Kennesaw State out there in the great state of Georgia, but that might not quite be worth three points. So I do think that that is something that is important to take a look at, but I do think that Iowa State is going to be able to hold up there here. Isaiah Brockington, 17 points, eight rebounds, has been able to sphere it, an Iowa State team that has been great with regards to their three-point shooting, but he shoots over 41% from three. If you have yet to hear the name Tyrese Hunter, he's one of the most underrated freshmen in all of college basketball. Gives you 10 points, right around five assists, two seals per game. Guy is a sat sheet sufferer, does a great job out there in the backcourt now with Kansas. O'Shea Obaji, one of the best players in all of college basketball. When it comes to my player of the year rankings, I've got him in my top five. He's a guy that's been able to pump in there over 21 points per game, shooting 47.5% from three-point range and legitimately a terrific on-ball defender. But the way that I take a look at this game is sort of correlated. If you think that this game is going to be slowed down a little bit more, if you think it's going to be defense-oriented, it really bodes well for Iowa State. If you think that things are going to be up-tempo, if you think that it's going to be a high-scoring game, then you're probably taking a little bit more of a look at Kansas. I wound up going with thinking that this is going to be a little bit more of a defensive slog. I wound up saying this at 135, so I take a look at the under in this spot. I thought you would say, made them a 7-point underdog. Getting double digits here, I think is good value. You're going to be seeing it in the New York Post in the AM. I am taking the points when it comes to Iowa State. And we've got really a lot of good matchups in the Big 12 in general. So we're just going to make this a Big 12 exclusive segment for lack of a better term when it comes to this one because you do have quite a few good games that are going to be going down. I mentioned the fact that Oklahoma wound up being able to take down Iowa State a couple days ago. Now they're going to be on the road facing off against Texas. Relatively the same vicinity of the betting board here. 657, 658. Right now you're finding Oklahoma anywhere between a 6 to a 6.5 point underdog. And your trial game is between 126 and 127. And I'm going to be taking a look at an over in this spot. You do have a Texas team that they rank in the bottom 25 with regards to possessions per game. Oklahoma, sort of a mid-tempo team. As we know, Porter Mosier, not a guy that's looking to pump up the tempo. But when it comes to Texas, despite the fact that Trey Mitchell, who is dealing with COVID-19 protocols, is going to be out this game, I do think that they're going to be able to get it done. I'm willing to lay up to a 7.5 here. When it comes to Texas, what Texas does a great job of, much like Iowa State, 
being able to create turnovers. This is a team that they're getting right around nine and a half seals per game in terms of turnovers on a per possession basis. Texas ranks in the top five in all of college basketball and Oklahoma is a team that's turned the ball over a little bit over 14 times per game. So I do think that that's going to be a little bit of an Achilles heel for them. When it comes to this Oklahoma team, Elijah Harkless to be able to step up. He's a versatile six foot six guy. He's able to give you right around 10 points, five rebounds, gives you a little bit over a seal per game. So does a good job of being a bit of a Swiss Army knife guy. And then you take a look at what you're able to get out of Umaja Gibson. He's been able to shoot right around 90% from the free throw line, just under 40% from three-point range. So he's been able to do a very solid job for the team. But I do take a look at Texas, and Marcus Carr is not a guy that I'm high on whatsoever. I have no idea why Texas wanted Marcus Carr. I have no idea why Marcus Carr wanted to go to Texas. This is just a match. This is just a match that is not made in heaven. For some reason, these two wound up swiping right on each other, and we've got what we've got with them. But when it comes to the other guards, Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones, these guys have been together in the back work for quite a while. Both of these guys are able to give you right around 9 to 10 points per game. Both guys are solid three-point shooters. So I do think that they're going to be able to do a nice job there. And then when it comes to Dylan Disu, he is a transfer from Vanderbilt. Guy that's in six foot nine has been shaky with his three-point shooting. Last year, when I was with the Commodores, shot about 37 to 38% from three-point range. This year, that is down to sub-20%. That's been in a small sample size, though, because he wound up missing first seven or so games of the season. Having him back out there in the fold, I think is going to be able to help out this team and really mitigates the loss of not having Trey Mitchell. And then you got a guy in Timmy Allen, who is coming in from Utah, was an all pack 12 performer last year. A guy that's able to do a nice job of being able to fill it up 12 points, a little bit over five rebounds per game. I think that it's going to be a tough situation here for an Oklahoma team that they are in a little bit of transition. New coaching regime comes in. Obviously, Texas is the same, but I think that Texas is going to be able to out-athlete Oklahoma. I think that this could be a game in which you wind up having this be like a seven or so point game with a minute left to go, and you know what that means. Bowling, the march to the free throw line. Texas a team that shoots above 77% of the free throw line. One of the better teams in all of college basketball. So I have faith that they're going to be able to cover this summer. Won't lay up to 7.5 with them. Also wound up saying this little at 127.5. Another noteworthy Big 12 game that we're going to be hitting on. We've got one other one that involves an undefeated team. That we're going to be able to do the undefeated teams pretty much in their own segment. But we go to 663-664. Oklahoma State taking on West Virginia. West Virginia opened up a four-point favorite. You're finding them pretty much at four across the board right now with your total. At 134, haven't really seen a lot of movement with regards to this. And I'm going to lay up to six here when it comes to this West Virginia team with Oklahoma State. They're a team that they actually play very fast. And you've got West Virginia playing very slow. A little bit of a tortoise and a hare sort of situation here because with West Virginia, this has been a team that has ranked in the bottom 50 with regards to possessions per game all season long. Meanwhile, you take a look at what you've been able to get as Oklahoma State team, and they have really been pumping up the tempo. This is a team that they've been ranking in the top 50 with regards to possessions per game all season long. I have no idea why they've been trying to play so up-tempo because got a bunch that they shoot right around 29% from three-point range. They shoot 67% the free throw line. They really don't have great ball handling. They commit 15 turnovers per game, and for West Virginia, this is a team that they recognize that they don't necessarily have a ton of offense, but you've got Taz Sherman. I always call him the Tasmanian Devil because I think that the name Taz is always a lot of fun. Been able to give the team 21 points per game. He has been terrific at John McNeil. Someone that's able to chip in there 14 points per game, shooting darn near 40% from three. You really don't get a lot of offense outside of these two guys, but Jalen Bridges has been able to come in there, been able to give the team five rebounds per game. Gabe Obashowan has been able to do a nice job as well. These two guys 
We're dealing with some COVID-19 protocols. They're back out there. They want to returning for that game against Kansas State. So it sounds like they're going to be in their first game back. So West Virginia, all free and clear of that. Then you take a look at the flip side and what you're going to be able to get out of Oklahoma State. You do have a pair of guys at the top in Avery Anderson the third, along with Bryce Williams. We're able to combine for about three steals per game. Both of these guys have been able to give you right in the pocket of about 11.5 to 12 points per game. So they've been able to do a nice job there. But Musa Cisse, I thought he was going to take strides forward with his offense. He has not been able to do so. A guy that has been able to give you right around five rebounds, seven points per game. I was expecting a whole heck of a lot more out of him. I was expecting more out of Oklahoma State in general than a little bit of a disappointment. And I think that disappointment continues on Tuesday. Willing to lay up to six here when it comes to West Virginia. Also, did wind up making this total 134. So this thing is relatively close to my number. At a 133 and a half, like I'm seeing at Circa, going to be taking a look at the over. And coming up next, we're going to be taking a little bit more of a look at the NFL right here on the look at it on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the look ahead on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. And we're back here on the look at right here on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we are going to be having a great guest. As I was talking to you guys a little bit earlier, I am a big fan of the World Series of Poker. David Baker is a two time World Series of Poker champion. And the 2020 Super Contest winner, we're going to be joined by him. We're going to be talking about these NFL wildcard games, so have no fear there. We've got you covered with regards to your NFL fix there. That is going to be absolutely tremendous. I also did promise you guys that I would do my own segment with regards to the two undefeated college basketball teams that are going to be in action on Tuesday. How about if we do that right now? We'll hit a little bit of NFL on the other side right around 11.30 p.m. Pacific time, so We've got you guys all covered there, but I think that it's going to be really intriguing to see what we wind up seeing out of the number one team in all of college basketball. Baylor is going to be playing off to Texas Tech. You're looking on the rotation. This is 625-626. Texas Tech finding themselves a 12-point underdog, and your total on this game, you're getting it at between a 135 and a 135.5, and, and I think that this is going to be an absolutely superb game. Now, I myself also did wind up 
lining this at 12. So I'm going to be taking a look for a little bit of a line move either way as to how I'm going to be betting this personally. But I take a look at this spot, and if it winds up being 12 and 12 itself, I'd be a little bit more inclined to take 12 rather than laying 12. And a big reason why is because you've got a Baylor team that they just aren't good at the free throw line. They shoot right around 67% as a collective. That is not necessarily great. And we did wind up seeing a little bit of news break as well that Jeremy Shane, he wound up getting injured in the team's last win against TCU, a guy that's able to give you 7.9 7 points and 5.9 rebounds per game. He is most likely going to be out of the fold for this game, wound up suffering a little bit of an ankle issue. So he is most likely going to be out for this one. You do have Jonathan Chamo Chachua, though. He is going to be able to do a terrific job when it comes to this team, a guy that has been able to give the team eight points, seven and a half rebounds per game. You got to figure that you're going to see a little bit more of he. Flo Thamba is probably going to be seeing a little bit more of an increase in minutes. And for Texas Tech, I'm going to assume that they're going to be shorthanded once again because this is a team that, for one, has been dealing with health and safety protocols. You wound up seeing that against Iowa State. Now, the guys that were in that protocol, like Daniel Bacho, they were able to return in the full, but you've got two guys that are right now leading the team in scoring. That would be Kevin McCullough and Taryn Shannon. These guys give you 13.5 and 14.3 points per game, respectively. McCullough has been dealing with a little bit of a boot in his legs, so that has been causing him to be off the floor the last few games. And Taryn Shannon is dealing with a back issue. If either of these guys wind up playing, it's pretty much just a bonus for you because even if they wind up going, I don't think that they're going to be 100% by any stretch of the imagination because... I'm sure that I can speak to you guys and relate here. Back issues are something that you don't want to mess with. Not whatsoever. I am very fortunate. I have not really had a lot of back issues in my life. My father has. He complains to me quite a bit about them. So, I mean, I just, that's all that I need to know there about back issues. We've seen so many athletes that have had careers ripped away from them due to back issues. So let's take a look at the guys that we know are going to be out there on the court. And that'd be Bryson Williams, a guy that's saying six foot eight, comes in from UTEP. They will give this team right around 12 points, five rebounds per game. He shoots over 41% from three-point range. Kevin O'Banner was a part of that, that Oral Roberts team that wanted making the Sweet 16. He's been able to do a solid job down low, right around five and a half boards per game. Adonis Arms is shooting 38% from three-point range. So you've still got some good pieces out there. Meanwhile, you take a look at Baylor, and you've got pretty much a quadrant of guys that are averaging as a collective about 51-ish points per game. And all these guys have been able to light it up from three-point range. James Akinjo, Adam Flagler, Kendall Brown, LJ Cryer. Among these four guys, you've only got one guy that's shooting sub-41% from three-point range, and that'd be Flagler. And he should pretty much be the team's designated free-throw shooter. He is the only guy on this team that is shooting above 74.5% at the free-throw line, so he's been able to do a relatively solid job there. You take a look at Akinjo. He's been able to give you 6.1 assists per game, gives you 2.2 seals per game. The three and a half turnovers per game, though, I feel like goes a little bit underreported. That has been a little bit of an issue. I think that that is something that could wind up costing not just his Baylor team, but betters in the long run as well. And then you take a look at Kendall Brown and LJ Cryer. Both of these guys shooting above 45% from three-point range. They can mind him to be able to give you 24 and a half points per game. So they're able to do a relatively solid job. Like I said, when it comes to the spot, I wound up saying my line at 12. At the 12 that we're seeing right now, pretty much across the board, I'd be willing to take the points. Before I be willing to lay the points, I personally am going to be waiting on a line move. If I'm able to get more like an 11, a 10 and a half when it comes to Texas Tech, or when it comes to Baylor, I'd be in on them. If it's more like a 12 and a half, Bay 13, I'd be in on Texas Tech. So waiting on a little bit of line movement there. I do think that this is a game in which 
has a chance to be slowed down as well. Texas Tech has been very dominant on defense all season long. You do have a Texas Tech bunch that they themselves hang their out on defense. They're a little bit short-handed too, so I'm going to make it my total 134.5, so I'm going to be taking a little bit of a look at an under as well. And then the other undefeated team that is going to be in action, that is going to be an earlier game. You're going to be taking a look at a 2 p.m. Pacific tip time here between USC and Stanford. This is 607, 608 on the betting board when it comes to Stanford. Find them as between 5 and 5.5 five and point home underdogs and your draw on this game is anywhere between 138.5 and 139.5. And when it comes to USC, I have trust issues when it comes to this team. They are undefeated. You can't take that away from them. This team shoots 60% at the free throw line. We remember that Memphis team from many, many years ago. They were able to win all those games and then when it mattered most, they poo-pooed away a title at the free throw line. That was the team that was led by Derrick Rose and company. I always think that free throw shooting is important to take a look at. And for Sanford, I feel like they were turning over a new leaf in that event that we wound up seeing out there in Hawaii, the Time Night Classic. They did wind up having the finale of that wind up getting marred by COVID-19, which, well, that's just absolutely terrific right there. But you take a look at the Sanford team, and I do think that Harrison Ingram is really going to be able to present some matchup issues when it comes to this USC backcourt, when it comes to USC. They actually do have some relatively good three-point shooters. Drew Peterson, great name. He's been able to give the team 12 points, right around six rebounds per game, a good three-point shooter. Boogie Ellis has come in from Memphis. He's a double-digit scorer. He shoots it well from three-point range, but when it comes to Sanford, for this Harrison Ingram, he's been able to give you right around 12 points, seven rebounds, three assists, very versatile guy. Brandon Angel is someone that's able to step up and hit threes at right around six foot eight. He's been able to bury about 42% of his threes. Was a little bit of an afterthought coming into the year, but has really been able to catch some fire double figures in four out of the team's last five games. And then Jaden Delaire has been able to give this team quite a bit of something as well. Right around 12 points, five rebounds per game. So I do like his overall game. Even someone like a Maximine Reynad is someone that's seven feet tall. He's able to stretch the floor and shoot threes. Now I will say this for USC. They've got a guy that I think is not getting enough love whatsoever because we all remember his brother Evan was just able to be absolutely tremendous last year. He became a top 10 pick. He's been doing some good things in the NBA. How about Isaiah Mobley? Isaiah Mobley is a guy that stands right around 6'10", 6'11". He's burying over 40% of his threes. He has been the team's top scorer, being able to chip in there right around 17 and a half or so points per game and be able to do a good job on the glass as well. I mean, this guy has been absolutely tremendous for USC. He's able to also do a solid job of being able to give you some blocks. So that has been something that I feel like has went a little bit under the radar with what you've been able to get in the national picture. But it comes to Shifaz Goodwin as well. Good guy at being able to hit the glass. 13 points, 7 rebounds per game. When it comes to USC, this has been a team that has been able to play some very tenacious defense with regards to opponents' two-point shooting percentage. They do rank number three in all of college basketball, but this is a Sanford team that they've been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to hit shots from the outside recently. So I do have to take that into account as well. This is a USC bunch. I think that they should be able to win the battle on the glass, but having to play a true road game against Stanford, I know that it's a little bit of a wonky time at 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific, 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern. I do think that that is something that needs to be factored into this as well. And when it comes to this USC team, they do a good job of not turning the ball over. 10 and a half turnovers per game. They force 9.8 per, They force 9.8 of them. Now with Sanford, their big bugaboo has been turning the ball over with right around 14 times per game. You take a look at it, and one is probably going to be a little bit more prevalent than the other, and I think that it's going to be Sanford being able to hold on to the ball. What I saw from them 
when we wound up seeing them last out there in Hawaii is that they were really starting to rein it in with their offense. They were able to do a little bit of a better job of not turning the ball over, getting more effective shots. So I do think that that is going to be absolutely massive in this game. And I think that Sanford is going to be laying in there. I'm taking a look at Sanford catching the points. I want to blind in this game more around a four personally. I did wind up setting this total at a 134. You do have a USC team that is looking to play a tad bit more up-tempo Sanford. They're a little bit of a slower team, but I do think that this is going to be a case in which it is going to be a tad bit more of a slowed down game. I think that points are going to be at a little bit more of a premium, and I mentioned it with USC. They're 60% free throw shooting, so even if there is late game falling, who knows if USC is going to be able to hit their late game free throws. So that is a big issue with them as well, and when it comes to spreads like this, I do think that free throw shooting is something that really needs to be taken into account because, I mean, how many times... Haven't you had a game where it's like a six, seven point lead with a minute left to go? Team winds up going to the free throw line, and I always love picking on this guy. Hassan French of St. Louis, who's finally now graduated, steps up to the line with a 35% free throw shooting, and it costs you money. It's something that you never want to be a part of. So that is something that is big to me. Something that we want to be a part of is welcoming on great guests. David Baker, he was the 2020 Super Contest winner, a two-time World Series of Poker bracelet winner. He's going to be joining me next. We're going to be looking at these NFL wildcard games right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN has a great new offer to help make this your best betting year ever. Our all new Big Game Big Dance special provides VSIN plus all access to everything that we do now through April 5th for just $69. Sign up now and you'll be able to get our daily best bet emails, 24 7 video access, the upcoming big game, and college hoops betting guides, plus full access to vsin.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every single game. It's the one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year. So don't miss out on one of the best deals of the year. Visit vcin.com slash big deal to sign up today as it is the look at it with myself, Greg Spears, and filling in for Scott Seidenberg. And great to have on our guest, David Baker is a man that has won two World Series of Poker bracelets. He has won the Super Contest, did so back in 2020, and a guy that just all around has been having success. I mean, I just read it off. I wish I could have either of those as we've got David Baker joining me right here. And David, great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, excited to be here. I love NFL football. I'm a professional poker player first, but um, my real passion. I mean, I just, I love NFL and gambling on it and talking about it and fantasy and anything associated with the NFL. So, um, the last couple of years have been really cool. You know, I've had a lot of success in the contest. One super contest came in second and circus big one last year. Um, top 25 this year in super contest. So, um, yeah, looking forward to discussing the football games with you. And just a little bit of something with that as well. I'm someone that when I was a child, I wound up growing up watching like Chris Moneymaker, Greg Fossilman, Raymer, what have you, wind up winning the World Series of Poker main event. I actually do feel like there are some similarities when it comes to sports betting along with poker and that you always try to get your chips in with the best of it. And sometimes you can do everything right and you wind up coming up snake eyes. You go in with pocket aces, you get broken by a deuce seven. It sometimes winds right. up happening just like you do all the research when it comes to betting on a game, a half quarter winds up sinking an under or something like that. And I do think that there are some similarities with regards to both. 
Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that because, uh, you know, I've been playing poker for 20 years, but uh, I really just found these contests that uh, both Circa and Westgate run. Uh, recently, I've started doing them, but years ago, I heard about, you know, the legend of Fezzik and winning those, and and I always just did, you know, small bets, you know, with my local bookie and whatnot back in the day and always dreamed about like kind of getting to the world series of sports handicapping or world series of NFL handicapping. And so to have that, uh, you know, opportunity a couple of years ago and then win it last year kind of was like the Chris moneymaker type thing. You know, I'm, I'm kind of that guy that's had opinions, but you know, was able to do it on the big stage um, was kind of cool. So now I've kind of used that to, you know, do more in in this industry and um you know like i said i love talking about it i love betting on it i, I love the contests and basically everything associated with it so it's absolutely awesome both both the world series of poker and all these contests obviously circa millions as well is one that has come to the forefront as well as we know survivor that wound up being right. a big boom this year as well and what else is big is taking a look at these wild card games. I know that you've got a little bit of a take here on this Patriots versus Bills game. As we're seeing it, Bills finding themselves across the board, mostly a four-point favorite, seeing a three-and-a-half at DraftKings total, anywhere between a 42-and-a-half and a 43-and-a-half. What is your takeaways from this one? Because I think that it's going to be really intriguing because we wound up seeing both of these teams during the regular season. Yeah, so... Um... The Patriots, our team, I, I watch pretty closely. I've been a lifelong Patriots fan, um, big Tom Brady fan, big Patriots fan. And a couple years ago, you know, up until these past couple years, I would just basically blindly bet on the Patriots. But the last couple years where I've had more success, I've started to look at these games closer and try to just separate my heart from it. And this is a spot where I just don't think the Patriots have have the guns to to match up with the Bills. I bet the Bills both regular season games. They were top bets for me. Um, didn't win the one in Buffalo, but I kind of feel like that game was extremely fluky. Obviously, we had the weather situation, but I still think that the Bills really kind of gave that game away. Um, and I kind of, I kind of like from the Bills' perspective how the media just kind of made them feel basically really embarrassed because they lost that game to a quarterback that threw the ball three times and they went into new England and they kind of whooped up on them. And I expect to see, I expect to see the same. This Patriots team is a young team that's kind of starting. And I see this bills team as a veteran team that, that it's their eyes are firmly, you know, planted on the super bowl. They had a couple of games during the regular season. They kind of slept walk through, but I think you see that with some of these teams that have made it deep into the postseason the year before that sometimes they take some of these games for granted. I think they will be focused as playoff. And I think this is, I think this is a drubbing. I think the bills are by far the better team. And I would, if you can find alternate lines out there, I would be happy to lay 10, 10, you know, 10 and a half, maybe even up to 13 and a half. Um, I think the Bills go out and, and roll this Patriots team pretty easily. And I think what is really interesting about this as well is that you've got a circumstance in which you've got a rookie quarterback for the New England Patriots, and I'm a big believer in taking a look at things that you can't necessarily find in a spreadsheet, something that you're not going to really have too much of a metric on, like just a player in their last game, like Ben Roethlisberger against the Kansas City Chiefs, I think that that's something that needs to be taken into account. The motivation factor, guys fighting a little bit harder right. for him. And I think in this case, rookie quarterback playing in his first postseason game, not something that I necessarily want to be backing. <laughs> well, I think you also can, when you look at these games, when you just look at a game in general, 
there's a lot of different uh, outcomes or ways that the game can progress. And I want to give myself the most chances to win the game. And so basically there's two ways that this game could go. It could stay close early and the Patriots could run the ball. They could control the control the clock a little bit, and then it's a close game. And with a four-point spread, you still can win that game and cover if you're the Bills. I mean, it's a tie game. They're down by two. They're down by three. You know, they score a touchdown. They win. They win in overtime, you know, by a touchdown. There's a lot of different ways that you can come back and win. The other way that this game could go is the, the Bills could get out to a seven or 10 point lead. And now the, the Patriots are playing uphill. And this is not a team that's made, that's built to come back. So I think either way we're in the game if you're, if you're a Bills backer. And, uh, you know, I like the different paths to success. Um, they've proven that they can run the ball now, which is something they really couldn't do last year. Um, on top of the fact that, you know, there's receivers all over the field. I mean, even when you get down to the Dawson Knox and Beasley and and Gabe Davis has really stepped up. You obviously have uh, have Diggs. Allen can run the ball when he needs to. I like that the Bills are willing to go for it on fourth and short. So um, I feel like we're, they can control the ball a little more. The Patriots really don't have that option to kind of go for it and 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 do much because. You know, when you're when you're limited passing wise, you really don't and you don't have a mobile quarterback. The fourth and twos are a lot harder to get than, you know, when you have Josh Allen lining up behind center. So I really like the the way that the Bills can attack this game. And and also you have the narrative of that the Bills never beat the Patriots. And um, so I don't think that the Bills kind of sleepwalk this game because it's a rival where maybe if they were up against a team like the Raiders or another team that they're just supposed to beat, that they might just sleepwalk it. I think just being a bit of rival, like they'll have their full attention. Yep, and I do think that you're going to see a good game from Josh Allen in this one as well. And I know you mentioned that you've watched a lot of Tom Brady. You've watched a lot of the Patriots. Well, Tom Brady's going to be in action as well. That's going to be a Sunday game to be able to lead things off against the Philadelphia Eagles. This is one that we're seeing at eight and a half in a lot of spots. Totals range between 49 and 49 and a half. What do you make out of this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team right now? Because obviously we wound up seeing Antonio Brown winding up jogging off the field and everything like that. It's a little bit of a bruise and batters Bucks team, but at the same time, you've got Tom Brady. And when you've got Tom Brady, you always have a shot to win the Super Bowl. Right. And, and it's the age old question. Do the receivers make the quarterback or does the quarterback make the receivers? And I think it's pretty clear that Tom Brady makes the receivers. Um, yes, he doesn't have, you know, Godwin or Brown, but I think with Evans and, you know, Gronk, I mean, he has two trusted um, pass catchers. So you have two, two receivers that he trusts. Um, the young guys and, and Johnson, and I don't know if uh, Grayson's going to be able to go, but um, you know, there's there's some compliments there, but I think with Evans and Gronk, that's enough um, for Brady. But more on the side of, I really do like what this Eagles team has built this year, but I think this is just a really poor matchup for them. Um, for them to win, they need to really control the line of scrimmage and control the ball. And the one thing that the Bucks can really do is control the lines. Um, this is one team that the Eagles don't have that line advantage first. So I think they're going to have trouble running the ball, and and they really don't have the deep threat. Uh, which is the one place that you can attack the Bucks. So I think the Bucks kind of got fortunate here to get a good uh, a good matchup with the Eagles and vice versa. I would have liked the Eagles a lot more if they would have gone up against a team like the Rams um, or the Cardinals or something like that. I, I don't think the Bucks matchup very is a good matchup for the Eagles at all. So I, I feel pretty comfortable laying the points 
uh, on a home game versus a team that can't throw the ball deep. I don't blame you there. I'm waiting for a little bit more information when it comes to injuries on both sides of things, but I certainly see where you're coming from there, David. And David, it was great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you so much for joining me and best of luck this week. Yeah, thank you very much. Good luck to you as well. Great to be able to have David Baker on the show, a two-time World Series of Poker Bracelet winner and man that won the Super Contest as well. Coming up next, we're going to find some hidden gems on the Tuesday College Basketball Betting Board right here on VEASAN Esports Betting Network. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts designed to tackle sports betting from a local perspective. There are city casts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeart, list goes on and on. As we are back here on the lookout with myself, Greg Peterson. Big thanks to David Baker. Join me in the last segment, 2020 Super Contest winner and a man that has won two World Series of Poker Bracelets. That is quite the resume right there. The only thing I've got on my resume is that I've got the nickname Hoops, so we better live up to it here. We're going to take a look at the Tuesday College Basketball Betting Board, and I've got a couple of hidden trends and hidden treasures for you guys. How about if we start by taking a look at the team with the best cover rate since the beginning of the 2018-19 season? That would be the Hofstra Pride. The Hofstra Pride, ever since the beginning of the 2018-19 season, 64-38-1. They are covering at a 62.8% clip, and they are going to be playing against the Towson Tigers as they are finding themselves in this game as a little bit of a favorite right now. We've been seeing a little bit of teeter-tottering when it comes to this Hofstra versus Towson game, but when it comes down to it, actually Towson wound up opening up the four-point favorite. This has come down quite a bit, anywhere between two and two and a half, and I fully agree with this move. When it comes to Towson, I feel like they've gotten a little bit overvalued in the market, 
And I'm all aboard Hofstra being able to win this game outright. I set them as more around a two-point favorite myself, so I still have this line reversed. When it comes to Hofstra, this team has been nothing short of magnificent all season long. They just went on the road. They were able to get a nice win against James Madison. They were able to take down Arkansas in the great state of Arkansas. That was a wonky game that was out there in Little Rock, but still. This has been a Hofstra team that time and time again, they have been able to get the job done. Jalen Ray is able to shoot over 40% from three-point range, and you've also been able to do a good job down low with regards to this team as well. This is a team that they've been dealing with quite a few ailments, but being able to get their full complement of pieces out there has been very good. You've got someone in Aaron Estrada who's been able to give you a little bit over five assists per game. Guy that only shoots right around 25% from three-point range. This has been an officer team that has really been able to build themselves around good three-point shooting. As as the collective, they're shooting right around 34.5% from three-point range. But the key for this team, Abiyama Iola. He wanted to begin his career out there in the Atlantic Sun. If I remember correctly, he was with the Stetson Hatters. Wound up playing at Arkansas last year and just didn't wind up getting any playing time. And now he's been able to start for this team. Gives you right around nine points, but the big thing is 9.3 rebounds per game. This guy's been nothing short of tremendous down low for the team. A Hofstra team that they don't necessarily have a ton of size. You've been able to have the backcourt of the team really be able to step up. But when it comes to what Yola has been able to do down low, this guy's given the team at least 11 rebounds and now five out of the last six games. So he has certainly been doing a good job there. Wanted missing a couple games earlier this season due to injury. So being able to have him out there, that is terrific. And when it comes to Towson, Cameron Olden is able to do it all for this team. He's able to give you three assists, 13 points, nine boards, shoots 40% from three-point range. That is all well and good, but you just need a little bit more of something out of this team. Now, they did wind up dealing with a couple of injuries earlier this season themselves. Jason Gibson along with Antonio Rizzuto, a pair of guys that are shooting right around 40% from three-point range. They are now in the fold for this team. They combined for about 18.5 points per game, so they've been able to do a solid job there. Terry Nolan they will give out right around four and a half assists is a guy that really doesn't turn the ball over right around one and a half turnovers per game. And then Nicholas Timberlake, 13 and a half points, four and a half boards. Do like his overall game shooting 40% from three point range. But when it comes to the Southson team, they're pretty much average when it comes to defending the three point arc. 162nd in all of college basketball. So that's a little bit of an issue. And when it comes to the Southson team, they do a good job of not turning the ball over, but they also don't force a lot of turnovers themselves. So, it will work both both way there, both ways there. And with Towson, they shoot sub seventy percent at the free throw line, which I do think could be an issue in a tight game as well. Because you've got a Hofstra team that they rank in the top twenty with regards to their free throw shooting percentage, seventy eight and a half percent there. I think that Hofstra should be able to get the job done. I like them on the money line in this game. Now a lot of books they don't wind up posting up money lines until the AM, so you might get a little bit of diminished value from what you wind up seeing in the open. Because like I said. This game opened between four and four and a half. Now we're seeing between two and two and a half. So we have seen a little bit of a dip there, but I hardly agree with the move. I do think that the Pride of Hofstra should be able to win outright, and they should be able to continue the trend of them being able to do a terrific job against the spread. How about if we look at one in the Atlantic 10, and that involves two really good trends. UMass is going to be facing off against Davidson. This is going to be a little bit of an earlier game on the board with Davidson. You are finding them as quite a bit of a favorite here. 12 to 12 and a half points. I'm seeing a straight 13 out there as well. So this is a big whopper of a line. Total of this game is anywhere between 151 and 152. And you've got really dueling trends here. When it comes to UMass, they have went 11 and 3 to the over this year. And for Davidson, this has been one of the best cover teams all season long. This is a team that against the spread 
I believe that they are now number two with regards to cover rate. They might be number one, actually number three, because Monmouth is 12-1 and against the spread. Maryland Eastern Shore, they're 7-1 and against the spread. Davidson is 11-2 and against the spread. They have been bonkers. We all saw the win that they were able to pull off in the state of Alabama earlier this season. They're a team that they're shooting above 41% as a collective from three-point range. And for UMass, they also shoot over 40% from three-point range. I think that this is a case of, what comes up must come down. And I think that both of these teams are going to start to go into a little bit of a rut when it comes to their three-point shooting. Now, I don't think that when the season ends, Davidson is going to be shooting like 33% from three-point range or anything like that. That would be a little bit blasphemous. But and you got Foster Lawyer shooting over 50% from three-point range. I like Foster Lawyer. He's a solid player. He's not going to finish a year shooting right around 53% from three-point range. Has been able to give this team right in the neighborhood of about 17 or so points per game. So... I mean, that's one of those cases in which it's like, man, it's probably going to be drying up a little bit. Hunjun Lee is something I like. He's a good six foot seven Swiss Army knife player. Gable will give you 17 points, six half rebounds, two and a half assists. He is bearing right around 42% of his three-point shots. I mean, among your top five scores when it comes to this Davidson team, you got one guy that's shooting below 41.8% from three-point range, and that's Luka Bravic, and he's six foot ten, and he's still bearing right around 33% of his threes. Then you take a look at UMass, and you've got CJ and Mr. Rich Kelly. Both of these guys are shooting well above 40% from three-point range themselves, so these two guys have really been able to light it up now with UMass. They don't necessarily do a terrific job on the glass, but the good news is Davidson really doesn't either. You've got a guy in Trent Butterick. Yep. And it's his name, Butrick. He's been able to give you right around 11.5 points, 5 rebounds per game. He's been able to do a solid job, have a little bit of versatility for this team. And Noah Fernandez, a guy that wanted missing a couple games this season, he's back. He's been able to give you 16 points, 5 assists, steal and half per game. He's been able to bury right around 43.5% of the, his threes. But I do think that this is a total that's set a little bit too high. Now, UMass is playing relatively up-tempo, but you take a look at Davidson. This team is in the bottom 50 with regards to possessions per game. I don't see why you should have a total north of 150. You're going to need these teams to be probably shooting north of 50% from three-point range in order to hit this over. And I just don't think that that is going to be the case. So I do take a look at this spot. And I think that you've got some relatively good value to the under. As I wound up saying, my total more around a 143.5. And when it comes to UMass, Felt like they should have been a seven half point underdog. So being able to get double digits here, I think you've got good value. Taking a look at an under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the points when it comes to the Minutemen of UMass. And when it comes to our other little bit of a hidden gem, when it comes to the slate, the underdogs in these two games, uh, uh, the two underdogs in this game, I should say, have been able to do a good job. 665, 666. You've got Providence, and they are going to be playing against Creighton. Creighton, the home team, is finding themselves as a slight favorite in this spot. They wound up opening up a three-point favorite. Now they're up to about four to four and a half, and your total on this game is between 132 and a half and 133. The trend is both of these teams as an underdog have been terrific outright. You've got Creighton, who is four and two straight up as an underdog, and how about Providence? Five and oh, straight up as an underdog. So if you've taken them on the money line, you've fit them for a plus price, all five times. And this is a line in which I wound up setting at two. I wound up giving Creighton the benefit of the doubt when it comes to home court advantage. But here at four to four and a half, I'm surprised that the line has moved the way that it has, but I love it. I mean, I'm going to be gobbling up the four to four and a half that we're seeing right now. When it comes to this Creighton team, they've really slowed down this year. They're in the, they're outside the top 200 with regards to possessions per game. Providence, they're always a team that they play slow. They're more around 300th in the country with that regard, but I think that Nate Watson is going to be able to do a good job. Both he and Ryan Hawkins on the other end 
Both of these guys give their respective teams right around six rebounds and 14 or so points per game. Hawkins is a little bit more of a three-point shooter when it comes to Crane, but for Crane, this is a team that they're turning the ball over right around 14 times per game. Meanwhile, you take a look at Providence, and Providence has been able to have Noah Horschler, a guy that is six foot eight, be able to bury his threes, a guy that's able to shoot right around 40% from distance. Jared Bynum has been able to give you nine-plus points at each of the last five games, so he's really been able to emerge at the guard spot. I think that... Both of these teams, when expectations are there, they wind up sinking. And when expectations aren't there, they're able to rise up. Providence has been able to do a relatively solid job on the road all season long. I think that they're going to continue that. I don't know if they're going to be able to make it six straight wins straight up as an underdog, but I am very willing to take the four to four and a half here. And I did wind up setting this total more around 132 and a half. So here at a 133 that we're seeing at DraftKings, we'll be willing to take an under here. And when it comes to college basketball on Tuesday, we've got a great slate. Going to be diving into the Iron Bowl on the hardwood next right here on the look at on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. Check out the... Check out the... Check out the... It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.